I, uh, I read a fun story some time ago about a grandfather. He was staying with his uh, five-year-old granddaughter. And uh, it was the week leading up to Easter, and he suddenly began, became a little bit curious what, what she knew about the Easter story. Well, she was out in the backyard playing with a couple of other little girlfriends from the neighborhood, and so he went out and thought, well, I'll, uh, I'll just go out and ask. So he went out in the backyard, and he went up to the, the three little girls, and he's like, so what can you all tell me? Easter's coming up. What can you tell me about the Easter story? And his, uh, his granddaughter's two friends went first. One of them said, oh, I know about the Easter story. That is when you go to the mall, and you sit on the Easter bunny's lap, and you tell the Easter bunny what you want for Easter, and then you get it in your basket on Easter morning. And then the second little friend, not to be outdone, had her answer ready too. She's like, that is when there are eggs hidden and, uh, and you go on a hunt for the eggs on Easter. And, uh, and some of them, they have money in them. But my favorite ones are the ones with chocolate. And now the grandfather at this point, he's kind of amused. And at the same time, he's a little bit concerned. And so he glances at his granddaughter who, who realizes in this moment that it's her turn to answer. And so she thinks for just a moment and she goes, Easter is when God sent his son Jesus and Jesus died for us to show us his love and then they put him in a grave and then there was an earthquake and then the stone rolled away and Jesus was alive. And and the grandfather at this point was so excited, he interjected, and he's like, that is fantastic, that is the Easter story. And she was like, Grandpa, I'm not done yet. <laughs> she said, and then people came to see Jesus in the garden, and if he saw his shadow, there was six more months of winter. Well, the grandfather thought she had the core part of the story, right? <laughs> I, uh, I need some help today. Can I invite our FaithWorks uh, friends, all of our children today, if you are in preschool or first or second or third or fourth or fifth grade, would you come up here and join me on the, on the steps? I could, use, I could use your help today as we, as we start thinking about this Easter message. You can just join me right up here on the steps. You want to, want to kind of come over this way a little bit so that you can see the painting right here. I need everybody to be, able to, to be able to see the painting. Can you see the painting right there? Awesome. Come right up. You can sit right, just right here close. Can everybody see the painting good? Yeah. All right, good. So a little bit later today, I am going to talk about the story of Peter. Do any of you know who Peter is in the Bible? Okay, good. So a couple of you know, it's okay if you don't, because that's why we're going to talk about, yeah, come on up. That's why we're going to talk about Peter in the Bible today. But I needed some help to, uh, to think about Peter's story, and I'm going to be honest with you today. Sometime, look out there and, and wave at your parents and all the other adults out there. You see them out there? Yeah, sometimes when they're in church, they sit very still all the time, and they don't talk very much. And sometimes I want to have a conversation with them, and it's hard. So I thought you all know how to raise your hand. Everybody knows how to raise your hand, right? You're kind of used to that. Yeah, so you all know about raising your hand, and, and sometimes you share things. And so I thought you can help me kind of engage them in our conversation today because we're going to think about some things about us 
that might have also been true of, of Peter. So as you can see, and everybody see the painting that's right behind me? I asked my daughter to do a painting for today. And she said, what does it need to be? And I'm like, well, you can think about Easter, but it just needs to be colorful. Have fun with colors. And so do you see that up there? She painted that picture. And do you know the first thing I thought when I saw that picture? The first thing that ran through my head was, I wish I could paint like that. Now, you might think, I should, I'm a dad, right? I should have been thinking about what I'm going to say to Ella to tell her how creative and fun and colorful her, her picture is and how wonderful it is. But no, instead, all I could think at that moment was, I wish I could paint like that. Do you ever do that? Do you ever compare yourself to other people? Maybe, maybe you think, oh, I wish I could paint like this other, this other person or I wish I was creative like them. Or maybe you think, oh, I wish I was as good as soccer as the best player on my team. Or maybe you've thought, oh, I wish I was as smart as the smart kid in my class. Sometimes we, sometimes we, we think about things that way. But, uh, but this is where I need your help. I, uh, um, I'm going to ask you to, to raise your hand if, uh, if this is something that you've ever thought in your life, okay? And you know what? Let's have everybody do it with us. So we're going to have them do it too, all right? So uh, adults, youth, families, I'm going to have you raise your hand too. If this is true... We're going to raise your hand. Um, raise your hand if you have ever looked at someone else and wished you were more like them because you think then maybe people would like you better or, or you'd be better in life. I kind of a lot of hands up, right? All right, how about this one? Raise your hand if you have ever felt left out or excluded because everybody else could do something and you couldn't do it and they were having fun and you didn't seem like you could have that fun, like roller skating. Ice skating, there we go, yeah. You're very good at ice skating, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, how about this one? Have you ever made a mistake and worried that people wouldn't like you anymore or would think less of you because of what you did? Anybody had that happen to you? You made a mistake and thought people might think less of you? Yeah. How about this one? Have you ever done something you shouldn't have and then really wanted to hide because you didn't want to face up to what you had done. Anybody done something you shouldn't have? And, yeah. Now, all of you up here, I want you to look out there. Put your hands back up if you've done that. Right? Yeah, so many people. We've all made mistakes, right? Well, today, today we're invited to think differently Instead of beating ourselves up and thinking we're bad or thinking we're not good enough, today we're invited to think something, we're something different. What holiday is today? You shout it out. What a, Easter. Excellent. Right. And what happened at the very first Easter? Yeah, Jesus rose from the grave, right? And so we, we know we're telling this story today. Right? Jesus, God sent Jesus into the world. Jesus was God's son. And Jesus died on a cross, which is interesting, really, because Jesus was God's son. So you would think he wouldn't have to die on a cross, but he died on a cross so that we would know how much God loves us and we would know how much that God understands us. And then today we celebrate that on the third day, he what? He came back to life. Right? God resurrected him from the, from the dead, right? And then he met with the, he met with the disciples. 
right? Yeah. And God did that so that we would know I've been upstaged. God did that so that we would know how much God loves us, that we matter. Now, hear me say this. This is the part I really want you to know, right? God doesn't love us because we're great at soccer, even though some of us are great at soccer. And God doesn't love us because we're really smart, even though some of us are really smart. And God doesn't love us because we don't make mistakes, because all of us make mistakes sometimes. We don't have to be perfect for God to love us. God loves you because you are you. That's it. That's all it takes. God loves you. That's the Easter message. God loves you. God's love is more powerful than anything. God loves you because you are you. Right? Now, sometimes when we start comparing ourselves to others, it's hard to remember that. So I want you to look at the painting. You remember what I did when I first looked at the painting? I compared myself to others. I want you to look at the painting and remember this, that sometimes when you're, when you're having dark thoughts, when you think you're not good enough or you think you wish you were like somebody else and then you'd be more liked, I want you to remember, I want you to remember that you matter to God. Now the lights are going to go out in a minute because sometimes life can be pretty dark and sometimes in the dark we think that maybe we're not loved by God but, but you matter to God. I want you to remember that. I want you to keep your eyes on the painting. Everybody look at the painting and the lights are going to go off. Look at that painting. Sometimes we can't see it. Sometimes we don't know it for sure. But it's always there. You matter to God. God loves you. God loves you as you. All right, can we share a prayer this morning? All right, let, would you pray with me? Just say these words after me. Say, dear God, when I think that I'm not worthy or that I'm less than or I'm not good enough, Remind me that you say, I matter, and you love me. Amen. All right. Thank you all. You can go back to your seats. I should say as you're going back, um, if... Uh, if your parents get restless during the message, just hand them this thing. I don't know exactly what, it's some kind of popper ball and you're supposed to try and get them all in, but I can't do it. So uh, uh, if your parents get restless, just have them put this in their hands. Uh, the rest of you, if you're here popping during the service, you just know what it is. It's restless parents. So a question for you, have you ever... Um, have you ever heard or watched a story and it, and it ended and, uh, and it ended and you, you were left with questions? I don't, maybe this happened to you like a, 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 like a favorite TV series has ended and you're like, oh, but, but what happened to that? Like 10 years down the road, I want to know what happens to them. I, I want to know, know the rest of this story. Have you ever felt like that? Did you know the Bible has a story like that? And, uh, and we're going we're gonna to take a look at that story today. Would you pray with me? 
God of grace and wisdom, God of resurrection, in these moments today, as we celebrate together today, as we explore your word, widen our vision to see what you see. Open our minds to better understand your way and your teaching. And God, just expand our hearts to fully grasp the extent of your love and grace. Amen. Here at Clay Church, we've been spending some time in the Gospel of John. And John's Gospel actually has the most lines, the most verses about what happens after Jesus is resurrected. He tells us the most. He tells us about Mary Magdalene, right, a friend of Jesus, and she comes to the, she comes to the garden, and then she runs and tells the disciples, and he, he tells us about the two disciples, Peter and the other disciple. They run to the tomb, and he tells us that the, the other disciple believed, but both of them left sort of confused and not able to fully understand. John tells us about Thomas, the Thomas, and it doubted. Thomas wasn't sure what to think about all of this. He had to see for himself to believe. And then John says this. This is the end of John chapter 20. John says this. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written so that you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. It sounds like the end of the story, right? And if I were going to summarize a story that I've told about Jesus, it feels like a good place to end that story would be to say, okay, so all these things, you've uh, you've learned about all these things that you have heard so that you can believe and that you can share those with others. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if, uh, if you read this story and it ended right there? Like, it leaves us with some questions. Like, wait a minute. What to... What happened to Peter? Like this, this, this story has been largely about Jesus, but there was also this main character, Peter. And Peter denied Jesus three times, and then, and then Peter, he runs to the tomb, but he doesn't get it. And then it doesn't even tell us if Peter was there at the gathering with Thomas, we assume he was, but he didn't say, like, was he hiding in a corner? Did he, did he not want to make eye contact with Jesus? Like, wh- where was Peter in that story? And now, if the story ends, and scholars believe that this is where the story first ended, it, you end up with this, like, so what about Peter? Jesus said he was the rock upon which the church would be built. What happened to him? Well, we're in luck. Because whether John heard the complaints among the people that his story didn't finish, (laughs) probably not, or somebody else who knew the whole story came along and writing in the hand of John and the style of John added on. Scholars don't know exactly, but there is another chapter. It's like somebody believed we needed to know in this story of Jesus, we needed to know what happened to Peter, that this was important for the rest of the people who became followers of Jesus to know. And so, Chapter 21 was written, and it begins with this. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, 
Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now, we're going to get on to the appearance of, of Jesus in a little bit, but first, but first we want to think about Peter and, and where he is and, and what's happening. And now, we can't know for sure what Peter was thinking, but the Bible invites us to kind of put ourselves in Peter's shoes in this chapter and think, like, what was going through Peter's mind? This was, this was the disciple that Jesus said would be the, the rock. This is the disciple that, that Jesus said was going to go and plant the church, but he's a long way from doing that. He's not out sharing the good news. He's not out preaching. He's not out sharing the, the message. He's not out healing. And can you blame him? For a while there, he probably thought he might die alongside Jesus. You've got to imagine he was scared. And now Jesus has been resurrected, but obviously Peter's not sure what to do next, not sure where to go. And so where does Peter go? He goes home. Galilee was home for Peter. He goes, he goes home. Why? Because home is safe. In a fearful and uncertain world, it's easier just to go home. Hunker down there to, know, to do what you know how to do. Maybe think, you know what? The world will have to sort itself out. It's too scary. It's, it's too difficult. I, I, can't, I can't do that. And that could have been how the story ended. That could have been it. But Jesus, but Jesus doesn't stop there. That could have been how the, the story ended, but even though that Peter gave up on following Jesus, even though Peter made mistakes. Even though Peter seemed to be giving up on him, Jesus didn't give up on Peter. Even when we give up on God, God doesn't give up on us. Even if we give up on God, God doesn't give up on us. When we're scared, when we make mistakes, when we make a mess in life, when we don't think we have a part to play, when we don't think we can make a difference, Jesus still doesn't give up on us. Jesus finds Peter and the other disciples. Right, he finds them at the place where he first called them. And he invites them to a fish fry. And he, he helps them, just in case they're not sure about this, he helps them catch fish, just like he did when he first met them. He helps them catch fish again. And then they sit down around a, a campfire and they enjoy a fish fry. And then... 
And then he pulls Peter aside. And this is how the story captures what happened next. When they had finished eating, John 21, starting in verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. To understand the fullness of what Jesus is saying to Peter in this moment, we need to know what happened the last time Peter was by a fire warming himself. Some of you maybe know this story, but the last time that Peter was by a fire warming himself in John's gospel, he was, he was hunkered down just outside where they, were, where they were proceeding with the trial of Jesus. He was just outside in this dangerous environment where they were getting ready to crucify Jesus. And he stood warming himself by the fire. And in John 18, 25, it says this, Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, You aren't one of the disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. At the fire that night, at the arrest of Jesus, Peter's fearful, as any of us would be. And at that campfire, Peter denied knowing Jesus. And this is a little different than the other Gospels. John, John wants to make sure you hear the difference in this, in this detail. Peter didn't just deny knowing Jesus. Peter said, I'm not a follower of him. I don't belong to Jesus. And now, here Peter is at another campfire with Jesus. The resurrection has come. And we don't know what's happened in the interim. Was, was Peter avoiding Jesus? Did he, did he not want to talk to him? Was he, was he you know, casting his gaze elsewhere? Was he worried about the fact that, that he had denied him? We don't know. What we know is what happens next, which is Jesus pulls Peter aside and he looks at him, and he doesn't judge him, and he doesn't chastise him. I mean, think, if somebody denied knowing you as you were going to your death, if somebody just abandoned you as you were going to your death, what would you say to them when you saw them again? Jesus doesn't judge him, doesn't chastise him, doesn't give him a hard time. He doesn't even say the words, I forgive you. It may be implied, but it's almost like Jesus knows that Peter is probably beat himself up enough 
that Peter actually needs to forgive himself. Instead, Jesus just offers this invitation. He just offers this invitation. He says, Peter, do do you love me? When Peter says yes, he says, then feed my sheep, be a follower again, be my disciple again, and go and do what I did. Do you love me? Peter's like, yes, yes, I do. Then tend to my lambs. Go and care for the, for the vulnerable. Three times, just as Peter denied being a follower three times, he's invited to reclaim this identity to belong again to Jesus. It's like Jesus saying, you know what? I want you to claim again that you are a follower of mine, a disciple of mine. Claim that truth and know that you have a role to play in sharing my love with the community. And this this interplay of, do you love me? Yes, then feed my sheep. It was a reminder to Peter of the commandments given, "If, if you love me, How do we respond to the love of God? We love God and we love our neighbor. It's this response, Peter, if you love me, all you got to do is express that love by loving others. Remember who you are. Remember that you matter to me. And then reclaim that mission, that role to play in being my love to the to the world. Our world today, I don't know, do you ever just look out at the world and like, our world is a mess. I had a conversation with somebody in my travels the last three months. We were actually in, uh, in Egypt at the time and um, we were just conversing on, as, we were, as we were traveling and and she's like, things in the world just feel like a wreck. And we talked about the war. We talked about you know, poverty in the world. We've had all these kinds. She's like, doesn't it just feel like the world is a mess? We look around today and you can look outside and see war and, and hatred. But we can look inside and see hurt and, and anger and the inability to, to get along, sometimes even with loved ones. Right? It feels like we're, we're in this time in the world when we're so quick to judge, so, so quick to anger. We hurt. We live with fear. We live with distrust. And, and I don't know about you, but I, I think sometimes it's really easy right now to say, that's the world out there. We're just going to retreat here into our family or into, into ourselves. We're just going to go to work every day. And it's really easy to retreat in that fear and, and think, I can't make a difference in all that. I, I, that's, those aren't my problems. That's, it's not about, about me. What can I do in the midst of so much strife? And yet, 
right? And yet today we gather on this Easter Sunday and we celebrate a love that is so much bigger than all of that. We gather today because we know that the love of, of God conquers even death. That the love of God is powerful enough to conquer that strife and that, and that hurt. And we hear in this story of Peter today that Jesus doesn't give up on us. In fact, Jesus continues to pursue his followers and say, you matter, you have a, a role to play. You are my body, Christ says to the church once he's resurrected. You are my body. You are the ones who are going to carry who are going to carry on this love to the world. God, it worked through you and me to spread this, this message of love. And maybe you're sitting there today and you're thinking, you know, I haven't been faithful enough. I don't, I don't know that God even, I don't know that God even can begin to use me. I don't know the Bible. I, I haven't been faithful enough. Maybe you're sitting there today and you're like, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know where to begin this, this walk of faith. Maybe you feel like you've been, you've been trying, but you're wondering today, you're like, is what I'm doing even making any difference? I can't begin to know what is going through your mind today, but I can share this truth. You matter to God. Whatever is going through your head right now, you matter. And the truth of Easter is that this, this love, this love is for everybody, each of you here today. And the truth of Easter is if we let this love into our, into our lives, it'll spring forth new life. It'll resurrect us from where we are right now, and it will send us out to resurrect and change the world around us if we'll let it. So, let me invite you today to, you should have received a rock as you came in. Let me just invite you to grab your rock. And just hold it in the palm of your hand with you matter facing up. Just hold it like this. Stan Buck was a United Methodist pastor, a mentor of mine. He planted a church in Fort Wayne. He was, he was as good, as good as they come. A follower of Jesus, an amazing guy, just full of love for everyone. Stan unfortunately passed now a, a number of years ago from a, from a brain tumor. And I remember many of us around him asking, like, why God? Like, why would a servant like this die? of a brain tumor, but man, Stan, to his very last days, testified to the love of Jesus. At his, uh, at his funeral, one of his daughters shared the story of their bedtime ritual. And, uh, and every night when he tucked his daughters in to go to bed, he'd say the same thing tuck him in and he'd say, I love you. And then he'd say, do I love you because you're smart? And eventually they knew the answer, no, you're smart, but that's not why I love you. 
Do I love you because you're, you're good at sports? No, you're getting better and better at sports, but that's not why I love you. It's because you're, you're beautiful and creative. Do I love you because you're beautiful and creative? No, you're very beautiful and creative, but that's not why I love you. I love you because I'm your dad and you're my child. I want you to hold your rock and hear God saying that to you today. God doesn't love you because you're free of mistakes. God doesn't love you because you're successful. God doesn't love you because you're getting everything right. God just loves you. That's the message of this Easter promise. God loves you. God wants to make you new. As you look at that rock and you see you matter, right, we all know that there are, there are times in our lives when we begin to doubt and we begin to fear and we begin to question and we wonder if we can make a distance and we hide from God and we, we, we find ourselves, all of us do sometimes, in dark places. And when we're in those dark places, when the world seems too dark for our love to make a difference, I hope you'll grab this rock and I hope you'll, you'll hold it in your hand or you'll at least remember holding it in your hand. And then when the world goes dark, I hope you'll look at that rock and remember that you matter to God and that God's light is always shining for you. I'm suddenly cognizant because I couldn't see all of your rocks. I promise they all have a cross on them that glows when you light it up. And uh, if you grab a black light, you can light it up quite, uh, quite quickly. And I hope these rocks, and I should thank my wife and daughter for um, uh, handmaking all of these for you today. I hope as you take this rock home with you, it can be a a reminder for God's light to shine in and through you. Do you love me? Jesus asks us. Feed my sheep. Love those who don't feel loved. Feed those who are hungry. Help the lonely and the outcast to know they belong. You see, you matter to God. And you have a part to play in sharing this good news and love with others. Amen.